This is Standing Before the Mast podcast with your host, Chris Heaton. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You may also connect directly at chrisheaton.substack.com. Hey folks, how's it going? Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. My guest for this podcast episode is Dave Lucier. Now, some of you may remember Dave was once a guest before, but in that episode, we talked about his world blow cart land sailing record. In this episode, we kind of take a different tack. Dave is involved with the Better Bay Alliance. He's one of the founding members and a board member. Now, the Better Bay Alliance was unfortunately formed out of a tragedy, and Dave talks a bit about that as he had a personal connection to it. I'll read their mission statement. The Better Bay Alliance is a nonprofit organization dedicated to enhancing the boating experience on Rhode Island waters by identifying, communicating, and promoting safety, accessibility, and cooperation while sharing our wonderful natural resources. Through collaboration with governmental, commercial, and private stakeholders, the Better Bay Alliance strives to be a resource for all those who wish to enjoy the Rhode Island waters. I think I first stumbled upon the Better Bay Alliance when I was walking around the Newport Boat Show back in September. And I didn't really give it a very close look, and I just thought it was another outreach organization. Then I started seeing some of their stuff on social media and realized that there was a lot more to it. And their website is an already an excellent resource, and it's going to be better. Uh, there's things like direct access to quick links for NOAA weather, notice to mariners, uh, education links. So if you want to do anything from just learn a little bit more or get a captain's license, it's all right there. But one of the things Dave talk, talks about in this podcast is something they're working on called LiveChart. Yes, LiveChart. LiveChart is going to be an interactive, basically, map or chart where you can hover over a polygon for any given time frame and discover what that event is going to be on the water. So if it's the Save the Bay Swim, for example, on any particular date, you'll hover over and it'll identify that that's what's taking place there, whether it be a, a regatta like the Newport to Bermuda race, uh, just an evening around the buoy race. It's an incredible story about how he's gathering data to do this build out. Dave fills us in on all that. So again, I'll let, he explains it better than I ever could. So here's Dave Lucier with Better Bay Alliance. And to learn more or visit their website, Visit BetterBayAlliance.org. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for coming again. Last time you were here, we talked about speed records <laughs> on yeah. land. Quite well, the contrast. With blow carts, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll start. You're with Better Bay Alliance. That's right. What is Better Bay Alliance? Uh, Better Bay Alliance is a nonprofit organization that was uh, founded in 2019 by a group of local boating enthusiasts here around Newport and, and Rhode Island in general. And what triggered it was the tragic tragic accident of uh, Sandra Tartalino's death. So she was on a sailboat and uh, struck by a powerboat and instantly killed. And it was in August of 2019. And after that accident, a lot of us were taken aback by the nature of the accident and, and you know, just send general safety on the bay getting more at risk. And um, so a group of people called together a bunch of stakeholders at Fort Adams, uh, Coast Guard, DEM, uh, Sail Newport, lo lots of different organizations, and uh, REMTA representatives, and, and basically formed the BBA with a, a smaller group, like a group, group of five of us on a board, basically. So that that's what the origin was of the association. 
And uh, so the, the the motivation of the driving force was it just that one accident, or well, over time we all felt that uh, things on the bay were changing. It was getting this is pre COVID now, so it was it was getting more busy. And, and in particular, uh, a lot of us happen to be sailors, but there, there are some power and a lot of people kayak and other types of boating. But the speed of the boats has changed. So mm. uh, something interesting. You know, you talk about the rules of the road with the Coast Guard coal regs, and they were written many, many years ago, and even more recent revisions are what they are, but there is no recognition in there that sailboats now foil, and they go 20 or 30 or 40 knots, and... um, uh, then during COVID, of course, lots of people got into kayaking and things like that because it, it was a distance friendly safety thing to do. So there's just so many more people on the water and people at risk, mm. you know, people in small boats that either might get mowed down by a powerboat that can't see them or they don't know the rules of the road. They don't know where they should or should not be and, and things of that nature. So there's lots of different reasons. But I guess that accident uh, of Sandra's passing was the straw in the camel's back that really motivated a bunch of us to get something going, focused on safety, you know, Save the Bay and other organizations are focused on different things about water pollution and different things. But we, we are really focused on safety. Yeah. When I was looking at your website, it occurred to me there's no other organization that operates as a nonprofit in that in that category, is there? Uh, I mean, not- you have Coast Guard Auxiliary, you have other groups that seek to educate people, but I couldn't think of a nonprofit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. the, like the Power Squadrons is, is probably a club that's a nonprofit. You know, mm. they, they, they collect fees for their courses, but it's to pay for their costs. In our case, we've had some small fundraising and donations, and right now we're, we're operating on that and, and volunteerism. So we're not a, a funded operation by any means with, with any direct big outside funding. Now, that could change where we, we have a couple of products that we're getting into that might uh, attract some advertisers or subscription mm. type of you know funding schemes that we're thinking about for the future. Did Better Bay Alliance model the organization structure after something else, or did you just sort of create it out of no, thin air? No, it was created out of thin air with that that very specific mission statement of focus, uh, getting people together as an alliance with the stakeholders around Rhode Island waters that have an interest in making boating safer. Uh, so we know there are a lot of different communities that want to do that, from the merchants in Newport that prosper, from cruise ships to kayak vendors to powerboat salespeople that want to sell powerboats, but they want they want their customers to be safe when they operate right. them and things of that nature. So yeah, you can get a lot of horsepower these days. Yes, yeah, boats. that that too. <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, the poker run is something that's uh, you know on our calendar. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But the poker run out of Fall River, those guys brag about going ninety five knots in Narragansett Bay. That's that's fast. I thought did the bay have a speed limit of fifty or something? If there is one, the poker run doesn't know about it. Oh. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that there is one. That's a good question. Yeah, I should know I that. I thought at one point there was a speed limit in the bay and it was like 50 or 60 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Harbor Master might know, right? Yeah. I, it's been a long time since I did that. Yeah. My recollection from when I was an assistant Harbor Master that when there is an accident, DEM takes the lead on the investigation. Obviously, if there's a, a fatality, then the, the police get involved, I, I imagine, at some stage. Yeah, the state police were there at Fort Adams uh, when they brought the boat and the body back to Fort Adams. And uh, But the, at the end of the day, there was a, a apparently it was an accident. It was no criminal activity or anything like that. Right. So, so DEM did all the investigative work afterwards to determine the root cause. And at the end of it, they, they gave the operator of the powerboat four $100 citations, you know, mm. not maintaining a proper lookout and things, things of that very minor. So uh, naturally, some of the community was very upset that, you know, he he, yeah, he didn't maintain a proper lookout and other unsafe practices and he had killed a person and, and he paid $400. And so it was uh, a bit disturbing to the community. 
is there a um, is there a, a month in the boating community? I looked for this, I, I couldn't find it. In the ski and snowboard world, January is dedicated to they call it safety on the slopes mm. and sort of an it's a friendly outreach type program. Is there any period of time that that's either the Coast Guard or somebody has like a boating safety month or anything like that? I don't know about a month, but uh, I know next Monday we have this event at the Newport Yacht Club. Oh, and yeah. I think they call it their season of safety, which which is right now, basically. Mm. In the winter months when, you know, people are in hibernation mode, they're not actively boating and they're more interested and available to get some education. So, right. so this is the time of year where we're focused on that. In the middle of July and June, yeah, you're probably not going to get people interested in sitting in a classroom or going on a Zoom meeting for things like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. What is this event that's that's taking place? Well, this is our very first uh, safety seminar put on by the Better Bay Alliance. Um, we don't have a facility. We meet at the Innovation Center in Newport because one of our board members works there. Uh, but the Newport Yacht Club was a logical choice uh, mm-hmm. for, for various reasons. But we contacted them about being the host for our very first seminar. So this is a, a hour and a half safety seminar with maybe a 30-minute Q&A. And uh, what we did is we built a curriculum uh, of material. And I used to teach for the power squadrons years ago, uh, piloting, mm-hmm. advanced piloting, seamanship, things like that. Uh, so we have a, a section on rules of the road. So it's a very short fire hose you know, presentation on the right. basic Colreg rules of the road, pecking order. Where does a kayak fit in the pecking order? All those little tricky questions that people right. are curious about. Then we spend a little time on navigation aids, uh, talk about the different day marks, floating marks, and you know how they work and things like that. And the next two sections are what discriminates the better Alliance from other educational outlets. So in the next part, we do two things. First, we talk about a couple of topics that are near and dear to us because we feel they had a lot to do with the accident of Sandra Tartalino. The first one is a collision bearing mm-hmm. and blind spots on a boat. So we, we believe the geometry of that accident was such that the power boat was heading over towards Potter's Cove. And the catamaran was going around Aquidneck Island, coming from Fall River back to Fort Adams to the finish line. So the catamaran was on the right, not that the vessel on the right has right away, but the, the powerboat appeared to have a superstructure around the wheelhouse where there were big stanchions creating massive blind spots. Oh, wow. So if the pilot of that powerboat was stationary looking forward and maybe, you know, looking around every now and then, there would be an azimuth, if you will, of his view off to his right, there would be a blind spot of so many degrees. And that's where Sandra was coming from. And she remained within that cone of blindness? Well, nobody recorded the accident or anything like that, but uh, a fellow... a friend of mine who was act- actually at that race, uh, Rick Bliss and I, we analyzed a lot of the geometry. We inspected the boat after the accident, and so did DEM, but they never concluded this is just what we think. She saw the powerboat. She thought, oh, I'm a sailboat. He's a powerboat. I have right away. Never mind. You know, she was coming from the right. Right. <laughs> but she also had rights. But uh, the powerboat never saw her. He admitted that. He never altered course, but she was hit from behind. So if you understand the geometry, we suspect that at the very last minute, she turned to her right to avoid him. Right. And when she turned right, she exposed her stern, got hit from behind. She had one crew member on the trapeze. She was sitting on the back crossbeam. And we, she we, was helming it. Yeah. She was helming it. And <clears throat> she was the skipper. And that, yeah. that's how we believe the. So anyway, in this third module of the seminar, we talk about what what is a collision bearing. And typically, if you take a basic boating course, they're not going to talk about collision bearing. That's more an advanced course, typically, and then maintaining a proper lookout. And, and you know, what is a blind spot and how does it work? How do right. you have to move around to look around that blind spot periodically to make sure there's nobody on that collision bearing? So that that's a topic we spend a lot of time. And then the fourth one, 
Oh, within that one too, we talk about what a sailboat regatta looks like. Mm. A lot of people on powerboats, kayaks, whatever, they see all these opties out there going all kinds of different yeah. ways. What's going on, right? So they don't understand there's a start line, the wind's blowing this way. After they start, they're going to go this way, then they're going to go that right. way. So we explain to a lot of novice, what, what is a sailboat regatta and what the difference is between a buoy race where they might be local going around the buoys and then a distance race where they'll go around Jamestown. So you might not see boats for an hour, but or maybe here two. they come. Here they come <laughs> in, in a big pack. You know, so yeah. so explaining what those things look like to a common boater that may not do any sailboat racing. And then lastly, we do local knowledge. So we get into things like uh, where can I find out where all these aquaculture fish traps are showing up all over the bay? Where, where's the map for that? Where, right. where are the permits? And I, I explain all that and how to read them and show a current chart of where all the pots are, because I'm sure you've seen them too. Mm. There's a lot more aquaculture going around the bay. And then all the local hazards from, you know, Two Mile Rock to Brenton Rock and getting mm. into the harbor and, and different hazards, the fish traps offshore uh, and things of that nature. So we, we get into some things that I think people appreciate with local knowledge. And, and we spend some time talking about this little book right here. You have Eldridge's right. <laughs> on the table, interestingly. And so we introduce Eldridge's because this is like a, a, a golden value book for the local community. If, if you understand what's in here. Right. And if you're ever going to venture out of the bay to go to Cuddy Honk, Block Island, or the Vineyard for the first time, and you don't know how to read this, it, mm. it'll really help you if somebody teaches you how to read it. So we spend a little bit of time explaining uh, what the value of this less than $20 book is and it's yeah. should be in every local boater's mind particularly if they're leaving the bay staying within the bay maybe not so important mm. but if you're going to leave the bay very important so we cover some local knowledge topics like that that's all within that hour and a half you mentioned the the fish traps or the well i guess now they're they're oyster farm oyster beds most of them are oysters you've in, got, inside the bay yeah, yeah you've got some outside. charts on your website you've got some uh yes identifying them there were some i didn't know that were there. I knew about the one south of Dutch, but there were yep. a few other traps. Yep. West side of Jamestown, east side of North Kingstown, um, over near uh, uh, Ben Boat Basin. There, there's yeah. quite a few now. And the permits are popping up more and more. Right. Uh, the bay's clean. Thank you. Save the bay. You gotta, <laughs> we, can, we can harvest uh, shellfish like sure. that. But, uh, and the oysters help, too, with, with the whole cleaning of the bay. So it's it's a win-win situation. Yeah. I sailed with a guy a long, long time ago. It was one of my first offshore trips. Then the guy gone to the U.S. Naval Academy. He was an experienced skipper. And he, he taught me a simple trick when we were, we were cutting through the, the shipping channels south, mm. south of New York, south of here. He said, constant bearing. If the bearing is constant, ask yourself, is the range increasing or decreasing? Right. And then he said, if the bearing changes... You don't have to worry about Correct. it. Correct. So I, I had that burned into my head. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. yeah and he said, so constant bearing, is, is it increasing or decreasing range? Yeah. Constant bearing, uh, increasing range, it's going away. But a constant bearing, decreasing range, you got a collisions coming up. Right. So if it's a closing bearing, that that means it's going to – other vessel's going to pass in front of you. If it's opening, they're going to pass behind you. Right. But that's, that's exactly what we go over, that kind of thing. And a lot of people don't understand that geometry, but when you see it graphically and somebody slowly explains it, it'll be beneficial to a lot of people. Yeah, you mentioned, um, obviously, it's good that you incorporate kayaks and stand-up paddle boards and stuff like that. A friend of mine calls stand-up paddle boards pedestrians. Uh, <laughs> but I think Tim, when Tim was the harbor master, he, he wanted to see them between the shore and the mooring field, not all around right, the harbor, right. but uh, you can't, you know, you've got people renting right. them. You can't get people to, they're going to go where they want to go. Right, right. You know? Yeah. I mean, the edge of the mooring field's probably okay, but in the in the actual, you know, lanes of traffic around the harbor, that that's bad. That That's mm. pretty dangerous. And 
you know, they're restricted in their ability to maneuver, but they got there in the first place. So if you get a, a ferry boat backing out of Bowen's Wharf or something, that's that's difficult for that skipper to operate, especially if it's breezy, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't move very fast. No, no. You talked about sailboat regattas. I remember one time I was I left my mooring in the point field and I was it was on. It was, must have been northwest wind. I was reaching just south of Rose Island, heading over towards Jamestown, and I saw there was a fleet of lasers. Hmm. They were way down by Fort Adams, and I blinked, and they were coming at me. Oh, wow. and I, I was kind of pinned because they just started a race. Yeah, they started. Of course, I was the I was to windward of them, so that's where they came, and they were all attack. And I was pinned up against the buoys south of Rose, so I really couldn't go inside. There's a rock there, and there's a couple of rocks there, and uh, one of them, I the last couple of guys who didn't have a good course were kind of annoyed at me for existing, I guess, yeah, but I couldn't yeah. go anywhere. I was, you know, I yeah, just, I just yeah. slogged along and got out of there, but I was, I was amazed. I discounted them. I remember mentally discounting them thinking, well, they're lasers. It'll be a while. And so I just made my way across and I mean, I barely made it to a beam of the Rose Island dock and there they were. Right. You know, right. I think their buoy might've been that, the, the green bell off sighting rock or something. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of sailors can be at fault. I mean, this isn't a power boaters or dangerous kind of organization. A lot of sailors feel like they have right away because they're a sailboat all the time. Mm. And I, I've actually heard some sailors, you know, and I say, oh, what do you know about rules of the roads? Oh, yeah, port starboard, room at the mark, inside overlap. I said, mm. that's not rules of the road. That, that's sailboat racing rules. That's completely different. Right. you got to respect their other type of craft on the water, understand yeah. they, somebody with restricted ability to maneuver. It's because you're a sailboat. You can't just say, I'm a little sailboat, and I get right away. And uh, so it's it's educating everybody. It's not yeah. it's not just power. Uh I think the classic is when there's a big ship coming in inbound, headed for Prov- Port of Providence, yeah. and there's a regatta, and you know, there's that one guy who wants to get in front, of yeah, the, get in front I, of the I, boat. I can't remember if it's Jamestown or Newport Yacht Club, but one of them in the rule book for the sailing instructions, it actually says if you get a horn from a big tanker like that coming in, you get a DSQ for the night. It means you got too close and you, you irritated a skipper, you know. Oh, really? A tanker or something? Yeah. You better hope you didn't have the horn on automatic then. <laughs> You're out of the race. The website is a really good resource. I was just looking at it. Um, you've got a section for notice to mariners, which unless you've got that bookmark saved, it can be hard to chase down Well, those not, notums. Yeah, not only is it hard to find um, the notice to mariners, if you ever went to the Coast Guard site and looked at it, you know, it's like typically 30, 40, sometimes 50 pages of right. detailed information that the average boater is never going to look at it. So we have a person on our board that actually bubbles it down into something more digestible that you see on our website. So hopefully right. for a recreational boater or racer, they can look at that and say, ah, that's what's really happening in my area of interest. And you kind of did the same thing with the the rules of the road. Yes. You, you know, that book is, I don't know, 120 pages or whatever that the Coast Guard puts Coal regs, yeah. Yeah, the coal reg. That, that you kind of boiled it down. This is the essential that, stuff. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and that's what we're going to present at the Yacht Club, what you see there on our website, those four different modules. Um, uh, but having myself and a, a couple of the board members there for some Q&A uh, mm. is a value, too, because a lot of times you get a lot of benefit from people asking specific questions, you know. Right. So, so how many people are going to be presenting? Well, here? it started out as 30, and then it, it filled up in less than two days. It bumped up to 40, and we're at 46 with a waiting list today. And I just got a notification this afternoon that uh, the Newport Yacht Club is asking for a second session. So we're going to have, a, we're going to probably plan a second event in later February. But again, we're, we're doing this to, to educate the general public as a public yeah. service. Uh, and uh, what we're really excited about, while Newport Yacht Club is on our inaugural inaugural event, um, we're going to be doing Coasters Harbor Yacht Club um, in March. We're also getting a date with Barrington Yacht Club mm-hmm. and most importantly, the um, Freedom Boat Club. 
Oh, right. So uh, one of our board members, Tim Cole, is a boat broker. I don't know if you know Tim. But, yeah. Uh, he sold a lot of boats. Like, you know, boat, boat activity in COVID was very busy. Mm. And one of the interesting things uh, he told us was that during COVID, uh, while business was booming, 50% of the people that bought boats have never operated a boat before. Wow. So while there's a big surge of more boating activity in the past couple right. of years of COVID, we have all these operators that you know, a lot of them probably haven't taken any kind of educational course. So even having this basic introductory thing that we're doing is, is going to be of value. And then with the Freedom Boat Club model, of course, uh, they, they rent boats to people and people mm. are going on a boat that they're not necessarily trained or familiar with. And it's just, here's the keys, here's the gas, right. have fun, right? So that's a community we really want to try to educate as best yeah, we that's, can. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, there, there are maneuvering characteristics that are subtle and different with every boat. That's I mean, I'm absolutely. just jumping from harbor master boat to a different harbor master boat. It's a big difference. Right. You know, right. outboards versus inboard, yep. you know, spinning yep. a big wheel in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Prop walk. Yeah. There's a lot of. So this is our first year. We'll, we'll probably do, you know, four to six events this year, probably a lot more next mm. off season in the winter time. And we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But, uh, yeah, I thought I I thought I saw you had a presence at the boat show. I thought somebody, we did have a booth at yeah. the boat show. Yeah, that was more to just get our name out there, get exposure, what sure. we're all about, and 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 we had a display about the live chart thing, which uh, I can talk about whenever you're ready. That's yeah, yeah. Let's bring that up. Yeah, so the live chart is a product we're working on. So last year in the 2022 boating season, we we had our website up and running, mm-hmm. and we built a calendar. You know, a lot of websites have a calendar of events, so you could just scroll by month and look at all the events. But when you roll your mouse on an event, details of the event would come up and that covered hundreds of events, whether it was sailing, powerboat, aquapalooza, jazz festival, folk festival, fireworks schedules around the bay, and every series racing from Barrington to Newport to Jamestown wow. to Wickford to East Greenwich, all, all the weeknight series racing are in there. This year, we took it a step further. So that's that's our calendar. That's our database of what's going on in the bay uh, from all those different types of things. And we're putting it in what, to, what we're calling a, a new product called Live Chart. So what Live Chart's going to do, it's, it's taking a Google Earth map of the Rhode Island waters. It's going to go from Providence to Little Compton to Westerly, all the way out to Block Island. And within that, you'll be able to zoom in and zoom out on any area of the bay. Now, it's not a nautical chart. It's a Google map. It's, mm. it's not intended for navigation. But when you zoom into an area, you'll have a slide bar, if you're familiar with sail flow. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, And this is good on mobile devices as well as laptop. But when you scroll to a date and a time... There will be polygons on the waters in the very specific areas where there's activity. So if there's Tuesday night racing Mm. with Jamestown and they have these possible buoys they'll go to, there'll be a shaded area with the shading color of sailing. Oh, wow. When there's a jazz festival going on for a social activity or swim the bay, there'll be a shaded area where all those boats might anchor for the jazz fest on the weekends of the jazz fest. The poker run out of Tipsy Seagull, the Mm. Aquapalooza, all all the major sailing regattas, Newport Yacht Club, New York Yacht Club, Ida Lewis... uh, Oh, wow. all, all these types. So it's going to be about 300 and some odd events. Mm. And you'll be able to look at the entire season in one session. So it's not like you can only look at today or the next week. You can plan your trip and say, oh, we're leaving Providence. We're going to go to Cuddy right. Hunk. I think we should go on West Passage because look at all this stuff going on in East Passage wow. or, or something like that. So it's going to be – and the cruise ship schedule's in there too. So all the cruise ships when they come in, yep. you'll be able to look at that. So, I mean, it's, it's going to have everything going on in Narragansett Bay in one place. Wow. In graphic form too. That's that's so, cool. 
So that's that's what we called our uh, baseline version. Mm. So that's going to be released for the 2023 season. We hired a contractor that's working on it right now, and we should have some uh, demos here in February. And then by March or April, we hope to release it to the public. In fact, we might have a big release event. Like, I can't tell you the details yet. It's sure. not worked out, but we might do that. <clears throat> how do how do how are um, point to point or the you know like uh, the a race from Newport to Block Island or yep. or the the solo twin, something that goes yep. out and does 160 miles in a, in a pattern. How is that going to be represented? So polygon-wise in that case, so let's pick on the solo twin, for example. So we know it starts at noontime on a Friday. So you, we'll show a polygon where about 11 o'clock in the morning when the boats start to gather. There'll be a big congregation. There'll be a congregation. And then, then the, the lines will go out of the bay towards Beaver Tail and, you know, uh, Brenton Point uh, all the way out to Block Island. And, and and they'll just sit there from Block Island all the way to Little Compton all right. while the race is going on. And the, typically the boats will finish sometime by noon the following Saturday right. or something like that. Then it'll shut off. So so as you roll your mouse or scroll, the, the polygon will appear and then it'll go away. But if, if you're like, oh, my God, there's a big scary thing and it's only like 10 boats, you can roll your mouse over it. And same thing as the, the tabula calendar. The information about that event will come up. There'll be HTML links to the event or right. the summary details right there on the, on the chart. And, and I suppose once the event's happening, you could always use marine AIS or whatever to ah, zoom in. You're jumping ahead. Oh, sorry. So I, I just so, so that, that what we're talking about this year is what we call the baseline version. Yeah. The baseline is a static database of all the events planned for this season with no live data. Uh, uh, the, the, the second version, version two, is going to have AIS data. And that will only appear on live data. So when you're looking at right now, here's what's going on the bay now. If you look two, three, five days in advance, obviously we're not going to have the paid AS where you'll have planned traffic. Like the tugboat guys in Providence, they, they know the shipping plans. Of the right. We're not going to get that. We're not, go, we're not going there quite yet. Then in uh, version three, uh, we're going to add in tidal current data. So there'll be big graphic arrows when the tide's coming in or going on. The, the size of the arrows will be graphically proportional to the velocity of the current. That's version three. And then version four, it's kind of the Cadillac. It's definitely not going to happen for at least a year because it's pretty complicated. But uh, have you used Waze in your car, Chris? I haven't. But my, so. my college roommate has it in his. And when we go okay. up snowboarding, it pops up. Yeah. So it's, it's you yeah. know, there's other Google Maps and yeah. there's other programs people use to navigate in their cars. But as, as I think, you know, with a lot of those programs, uh, when you load the app on your phone, you volunteer to have your your phone as a polka dot on the map. And right. Your posi- so that's how they calculate traffic and show you traffic sure. because how many people are logged on to Waze or whatever. So it's almost like Waze on the water where um, if people like live chart in the first season and we, we get funding to do this version four later, uh, people would get an app on their phone, they'd register with the BBA, and then their phone on their boats would be traffic on the bay. So then you could actually see how busy the bay is with phones. Now, not everybody's going to subscribe. We know that. Right. But it should be proportional. Yeah. So if there's, you know, this many boats in West Passage versus East Passage and this many people have signed up with the BBA, it'll be proportional to what's really out there. So yeah. so that's something we're, we're looking at doing in phase four. Yeah. It, it always amazed me going back years when we have either tall ships and you have people parading around Newport yeah. Harbor. I think at one point Jake introduced a, a counterclockwise rotation just to keep everybody on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously people cut through the mooring field. but And then the Folk Festival, the congestion gets so busy. Sometimes those people anchor. Oh, yeah. They almost block off the entrance to the yeah. harbor, if, yeah. if not. Yeah, I've heard the, some ferry captains grumbling about it. They're oh, trying to get, yeah. get in and out from Martha's Vineyard or Block Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's impressive. That's a heck of a data haul. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we got, like I said, for 2023, we've got over 300 events that'll be in this calendar and live chart. Um, 
Uh, and and, and that'll be on your website here? Yep. Yeah. It'll be tabular on the website, and then there'll be a link to go to Live Chart. When you go to Live Chart, it's going to take up your whole screen because right. then you'll have a map of the bay. You can scroll and zoom. Okay. And we're engaging the kayak community. That's another big thing. So the Rhode Island Canoe and Kayak Association has typically not published their activities of where they paddle until June. And we're, we're, we're trying to explain to them, listen, we're trying to protect you guys. Yeah. So if you tell us your dates now, we're going to get you in this sleek program. And then people are going to know, oh my God, look, at there's going to be a bunch of kayak coming out of Wickford. Maybe we should rethink our plan. You now, know, are these so. just people out for a, a, a recreational kayak or are these guys fishing? Because I see a lot of guys fishing. Well, we're things. not going to track fishermen. F- yeah. f- fishermen are not known to, uh, uh, it's just impossible to plan. Right. And a fisherman doesn't know when he's going to do day to day because of the where the fish are. Are you talking about other activities? <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's planned kayak paddles. Oh, Obviously, okay. there's the big one that goes around Goat Island once a year, mm. uh, Rose Island. That's uh, in August, I believe. Then there's another one out of Narragansett. Gansett, that's a large race. Mm. Uh, but there are other smaller ones that we want to engage them and get them on the calendar. Get the, and, we, and we have a dedicated uh, shading and color code just for kayak sup activity. Um, and, and, the, and the shading is not just color coded. Our contractor made it, um, you know, handicap accessible for, for different uh, shades and things right. like that for colorblind people. So it's Oh, gonna, wow. And what's this section on the website? It says close calls. There's, there's not much there. At the yeah, we, we started to do that. Um, so as there have been uh, accidents, whether there's fatalities involved or not, we, we, we started to put accidents up there. And, and it's not just Narragansett Bay, but where they're happening and why and just where people might want to go look and see, oh, my God, look at this accident. Why did it happen? And mm. maybe learn from it. You know, right. The whole idea is to educate people. Accidents happen. And sometimes here's why. Sometimes the stories are, are good with that. And sometimes they're not so good. So we're, we're going to be adding more to that as time goes on. But uh, that's the general idea is to just socialize mm. some of the accidents that happen uh, in the spirit of learning from them. You mentioned earlier the Save the Bay Swim. And uh, yep. last summer, I, I helped my friend Eric. I volunteered with it. And I think we mentioned this in, the, in our holiday podcast. But basically, he had a window. We had a couple of delays because of fog. And he had a window. And I think the cutoff was the last swimmer and kayak spotter had to be west of the EP buoy. Mm. Uh, by 10.30 a.m. Oh, because of the tide. Well, the tide and there was also an inbound tug. Oh, traffic. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was an inbound tug. And wow. What was really impressive, Eric was juggling radios and, and, and phone conversations while he had another person driving the boat. And I was a spotter on the boat. He got a phone call. He picked up his phone. I think it's at Galveston, Texas. The captain of the tug had Eric's phone number. Wow. And they coordinated that. And he wow. said he, he was kind of half expecting it. He figured... He didn't know the guy, but he half figured that somebody would have his number and it got to him. And the guy was just planning. He was watching his clock and he gave, he said, I'm going to be under the center span at such and such a time, right to the, right to the second. And Eric said, Oh, we're fine. We're everybody's passed now. Oh, good. And, uh, but that level of coordination was blew me away. I mean, obviously the bay is closed. They had DEM and Coast Guard and everybody out there. Yeah. That swim the bay will obviously be one of the, premier events we want to mark because that's one of the one of the very few events uh, mm. that uh, other than the ocean race with him trying to think of when the bay was actually closed but they actually closed the entire bay to traffic for several hours for that swim so mm. that'll certainly be on our on our schedule there in the live chart another point of that uh, that people might find of interest the um, 
beginnings of this were <laughs> going in a different direction where we were, we just said, let's have a meeting with the Coast Guard. All these people that have these events, they ha they all have marine event permits. So let's just go to the Coast Guard. We'll try to get a digital version from the Coast Guard. Maybe we'll teach the Coast Guard how to do some computer network mm. stuff so they, so they can make it available to us in a specific format. And then we'll present it on the BBA website. And that's how the conversation began. So we met with the Coast Guard a couple of times. And I don't know if you know this story already, but uh, marine event permits are not what they used to be 15 years ago. So mm. nowadays, almost everybody that applies for marine event permit, including the start of the Newport to Bermuda race, believe it or not, you apply for a, a marine event permit and they tell you in a very polite letter, thank you for sending it in. We understand what you're doing. And it turns out you don't need a permit. And when you go read the regs on mm. marine event permits, several years ago, some Coast Guard admiral added some language in there and it says something, to, there's all these caveats of when you do need a permit, when you don't. One of the caveats says, if everyone on the water operates within the confines of the coal regs rules of the road and there won't be an accident, they don't need a permit because everything's fine. We already have rules that cover everything. <laughs> and we, wow. were, we were just shocked because it's like you could look at the start of the Bermuda race, right? You got yeah. 200 boats starting, you got 800 spectators and plenty of opportunity for accidents that, okay, I was following the rules of the road, I wasn't paying attention and there was an accident. So it's so the Coast Guard gave themselves an out and not issuing permits. So that whole idea of the BBA getting permits from the Coast Guard to build this live chart product was just out the window. So, wow. So as we got into this and we realized, okay, we have to do this from the ground up. We have to contact all these organizations, get all of their events, all their calendar yeah. info. So we started this last summer. We, we produced a little trifold thing. I'm sure you guys had on display here at your shop. But, yep. uh, so, so that's how it, it began. And then we realized, okay, for next year, if we want to do this live chart, we actually have to collect all the information. So there's a lot of stuff we have, like who the point of contact is to get the information, what mm. their phone number is, so, so we can administratively chase all the data down. And then we have a column for Polygon info. So for every single event, we have to describe what the Polygon looks like for where it's going to be. Right. Now, the contractor that's delivering us the software where it's going to be a drop and drag mouse thing. So when, when they deliver it, we're going to, we, the BBA board, will sit with a mouse and say, oh, this is the solo twin. Okay, this is what it looks like. Boom, 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 boom. Right. And, you know, we have some super salty seasoned veterans on our board that uh, know good, a, lot yeah. of the, a lot of these things. And I'm surprised the Coast Guard takes that position. And I wonder how that works with, say, the Volvo race or now it's just the ocean race. Right. And they're here, they have some inshore racing. And my recollection is they had a safety zone. Uh, just like Save right. the Bay has a safety right. zone on north and south of the, the, the swim area. I imagine that that falls into their enforcement. I'm sure Brad Reed or whoever's running the, the Fort Adams activity with the import stuff will, you know, ask for a marine event permit. But if the Coast Guard uses that same clause and say, oh, you don't need one, but let's coordinate with DEM boats to have right. more enforcement on site to control the zones. And it's more of a coordination thing. Yeah. But they only get involved when it's something really, really, really big. But we're, we're doing Little every things. Tuesday night, Wednesday yeah. night, all the racing, uh, all the activities of the entire bay, Poker Run, Aquapalooza, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're going to have everything in one place. So at the end of the day, I, uh, the Coast Guard doesn't know this level of detail yet. So when they realize what we're going to create here and they see it in action, we got a feeling the Coast Guard is going to say, hmm, yeah. you know, maybe we, we need that or want that in a different way from a state yeah. perspective, from a DEM or Coast Guard perspective. Yeah, I bet they'd use it. I mean, it's certainly yeah. a good reference. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a video on the website with you and Sandra's mom. Like yes. Oh, right. Yeah. And and there in that there's some aerial footage of, and I don't expect it was the regatta she was in, but no. a bunch of catamarans, yep. multi hulls, and a powerboat kind of like gets in the middle and says yep. oops, and then tries to turn around and realizes he's in a in a bit of a pickle there. 
Yeah, that's uh, a Marstrom 32 start, which is, uh, you know, they're, they're really fast boats. They're 20 plus knot sailboats. Was that in the bay here? Yep. Oh, yep. Right. It was right between Jamestown and Portsmouth. Oh, okay. um, it's where they typically race on Monday evenings. Um, and they do a reaching start. So, you know, like the America's Cup of mm. Bermuda and late, lately with these uh, foiling boats, uh, unlike traditional sailboat racing, they do a reaching start. So they, they had a j- just crossed the starting line. So from the power boater's perspective, he was heading north, uh, one was southwest, and, and these boats were heading east. So so as they were mulling around pre-start, they weren't going very fast. But when they hit that start line, you know, they go five to 20 right. knots in, in no time. And there was over uh, 10 or 12 of them. And, and I think half of them had spinnakers up. So they, they were flying. And of course, they got the racks with the crew. They're very yeah. beamy. And when this guy saw them, he realized he's no way he's going to fit in between the boats. They were so packed together. And they were going to their first uh, rounding mark, which is a downward bearway, right. uh, leaving it to port. So, uh, yeah, he did a radical turn to avoid a collision. <laughs> and it just happened to be caught on drone video. And yes, that that was nothing to do with the accident that Sandra was killed right. in. But it just demonstrates an example of, you know, these sailboats are going much, much faster in some cases like that one nowadays. And some power boaters are like, like, hey, just because you're a sailboat, you think it right away, but your, your sailboat's faster than my powerboat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the powerboaters are a little upset too, rightfully so. And and some of the sailors feel, I'm racing. I, I've got all the rights in the world. Not really. Yeah. There's still rules of the road that are different than sailboat rules, you know. So uh, so we're out to educate the general public on all of that. And then there's another event that just started in Bristol called Foil Fest that's coming. So it's going to be all foiling boats right. uh, this summer. I think they started it last year, but there's an event this year for sure. So nothing but foiling boats. And, and of course, as you've seen around the bay, we got more more foiling kite boarders now. So you got kite boarders and, and some don't foil and they still go bloody fast, but the mm. foiling ones go really fast. I believe the around Jamestown record right now is is held by a, a foiling kite board in 40 something minutes. Wow. And uh, so that that's moving fast. And, and they have starboard in port, but they're kite 70 feet up in the air. And yeah. does the average power boater know that that's a sailboat and or another sailboat Oh, he's on starboard tack? Probably not because yeah. it's an unusual craft, you know. I saw somebody joked online. It, it was like with these America's Cup boats are up and foiling. They're moving so fast. They said, shouldn't they be showing a flashing amber light like a hovercraft? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> right. they're out of the water, basically. Yeah. Yep. So foiling is becoming real popular. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, they're making it easier. You know, think back mm-hmm. to the San Francisco America's Cup uh, race when they used to say, oh, they were on the foils for 60, 70 percent of the time. That's why they won the race. And now when you're not foiling 100% of the time, you're, you messed up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, so they're, they're foiling upwind, downwind, through the tacks, through the jibes. Uh, the last F50 race in Singapore, that was it two weekends ago, it was pretty light win on Saturday. So they, they had a hard time foiling on that particular day. But generally, yeah, the, the engineering and you know just the physics of the whole thing is educating more and more people on foiling. And, and there's this going to be more foiling craft in the future. Wow. Well, look, look, look at, we talked, last time I was here, we talked about the Volvo 65s and how fast they are compared to a multi-hull. And, and right now the Amokas have just finished the first leg of the ocean race. Right. And, and the Amokas beat all the Volvo 65s because they have foils. And, um, you know, now on the flip side, the bad news for us as local residents here is when they come to Newport in May, I've heard they're not going to have import racings because the Amokas don't like import racing, A, they're shorthanded, but B, they got these big whiskers, yeah. you know, that are yeah. not going to be friendly to lobster pots. So, no. <laughs> yeah, you so hook a trap on the way you by. You hook a trap on the way by, and, and plus, when you get up on foiling speed, 20, they're doing 35 knots, some of these monohulls, 35 knots in the open ocean. I wow. Mean, so, I mean, to try to get up to that speed between Jamestown and Newport, and then I was, oh, we're up, oh, we're down. You know, yeah. It's not a very long leg for them, so. Oh, so I didn't realize that they weren't going to have any import. Uh, I've heard there's no import racing. Now, the, the Volvo 65s, maybe they'll do it, but I think there's only five of them. I think there's six Amokas and five 65s, if I recall. So it's not a big fleet. 
if people want to learn more about everything we just talked about, particularly, I'm, I'm interested in following that map. That oh yeah, the live chart, yeah, the, the live yeah. chart. It, it's all going to be right on your website, right? Yep, yeah. The live chart for for the baseline version we're releasing in, in 2023. It'll be free from our website, BetterBayAlliance.org, and uh, we hope to release that by May at the very latest. Like I said, in, in the March April timeframe, we might have a formal uh, release mm-hmm. party at Innovate Newport and then have, put it up on the big screen and show everybody that wants to come for free. Right, just an event to show everybody how it works. And we're, we're going to be uh, pretty proud of this if it comes through the way we're hoping, and and it looks good so far. Um, and, uh, you know, from, from a person selling jewelry in Brick Market to mm-hmm. the tugboat captains to DEM to people organizing racing, uh, there are going to be so many people that are going to find, uh, where are we going to go for fireworks? I want to see fireworks by boat. Go to the BBA. Right. There's going to be so much information on that product for all kinds of people. It's going to be really cool. So we hope a lot of people oh, bookmark the page and, you know. Great. Did you get everything out you wanted to get yeah, out? Yeah, yeah that, cool. was, that was great. Yeah, that's good. That sounds interesting. I, I'm really interested to see that chart. That's yeah. Here I was just relying on the VHF radio and seeing, you know, <laughs> who, who's who's coming inbound and who's outbound. And I had one incident and luckily it was fine and the guy talked to me. But uh, I wanted to – it was – I had get-there-itis. I had a friend in Cuddy Hunk and it was Friday night. My wife oh. got off work and it was a beautiful night. It was yeah, southwest yeah. breeze. Everything was perfect. But – I failed to calculate one thing. It was my fault. I I was calculating the. I got the current out of Newport. Yeah, everything was great until I got near well the outer mouth of buzzards, mm. and I had current against wind. Oh yeah, and there was also an outbound tug. Giant square waves. Yeah, giant square waves. And my wife was seasick, so thank God for autopilots. I was basically I had one hand on her, <laughs> and that constant bearing, increasing or decreasing range. Mm. There was a tug towing a loaded barge out of New Bedford. Uh-huh. And he saw me and I, uh, we talked on the radio and he, but he gave me a nice reassuring thing. He says, no, I see you. And he said, uh, you're good. We're good. <laughs> Cause he, you know, he's tracking, yeah, he was yeah. vectoring me on radar, I guess. Yeah. And then we got into cutting on and everything was fine. But I thought, you know, how much you plan, you, you forget one stupid thing like that. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know? But yeah, those, that, what did they once call it? A buzzard snorter, you know, because it was southwest breeze, tides coming out. Oh, yeah, you, against the tide. Yeah, yeah, wind yeah. against tide. And yeah. uh, it made it uncomfortable. That was it. Yeah. But, oh, it, until I, you know, I, I was anchored one night after. I use Eldridge's to go through Vineyard Sound. I, I've been out to Nantucket and the Vineyard every, every summer for the past 30 years. So I've always gone through Vineyard Sound or Quicks Hole, sometimes mm-hmm. Canapissa or Robinson. But uh, the book has been invaluable. But one night I was, you know, reading some of the pages in between. Like you said, there's some good references. And the one in there with the little wet wagon wheel and it shows when the when the tide comes to Newport yeah there's a little wagon wheel there and when it floods Narragansett Bay yeah it floods the bay like you would expect but along the coastline of Rhode Island it goes to the east when it floods and yeah. it goes to the west past Point Judith right down to fill up this massive body of a hundred mile long Long Island Sound and when that drains at 1BI so there's this whole east-west thing that happens besides the north-south of Narragansett Bay right. the average boater doesn't know that and the first time they leave the bay it's like oh the tide's going out so it must it must leave Brenton Cove and like go to Florida right <laughs> no it doesn't work that way actually <laughs> yeah, right. yeah so this book is really invaluable yeah in fact in the introduction in uh, that section I think they even talk about it is possible when making a trip either from New York to the vineyard or Nantucket or the other way to time it such that you've, exactly. you've always got exactly. that current in your favor. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't, it's a long ride or it's more fuel or, <laughs> yeah. or a seasick wife in your case. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. cool. Thanks again. So, All um, right. yeah, well, I'll look forward to that and I'll put up some links. And can I, for my, when I post this, can I grab your logo off the? Absolutely. The, the yep. Okay, yep. great. Yep. Thanks again. Thank you, Chris. 
You have been listening to Standing Before the Mask podcast with Chris Heaton. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You may also connect directly at chrisheaton.substack.com. 